Hello, and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Ty, and we've got Bowden Blake. This is a bit of a special edition. We're going to be breaking out the series a little bit as the uh, um, uh, off-season goes about. We're calling it Heart Hustle Hardwood. A shout-out to the old OU basketball marketing saying that made zero sense, but it's still fun. And uh, if you guessed it, this is a basketball podcast, so uh, not a lot of football talk here. We're not going to be talking National Signing Day. Nothing happened anyways. Um, We're going to be talking about essentially what happened in the first half of the Big 12 schedule, what's going to happen in the second, just kind of work through that. So um, we got got Blake on for a reason. He is a bit of a college basketball guru. He knows the ins and outs, the crumbs. We're talking about Big 12 here, so... Um, Ty, how you feeling? I know college basketball, you know, isn't exactly your foray, but we're going to learn today, aren't we? Yeah, I am here to learn. I have some questions, uh, some, some pressing questions, especially as to why the big 12 tournament is played in Missouri for some reason. Uh, lots of pressing questions soon to be revealed. I'm sure. Of course. Of course. And, uh, Blake, I got to ask, has the shield ever been stronger than it is right now at least in basketball oh this is the strongest it's ever been i can say that for like no doubt in my mind like when i look top to bottom one through ten even our 10th team is still probably pretty decent like we saw them do a decent job in the non-con uh but obviously when you get to a conference where every single time it's a tier one tier two win like every single game we're playing in conference has implications for your net ratings for your seating implications when it comes to march madness you get a key win or a i guess as the sec fans for football a quality loss every single time you play a conference game in this conference so that's what i love about it it's awesome it gives you a chance to move up but honestly <laughs> when it comes to tournament wise, you're probably not going to get knocked down too much because you're playing in this conference. Of course, I, I feel like over the years they've been pretty gracious towards the Big Twelve. Uh, a lot of teams getting in percentage wise higher than any, and you know this is this is the last of what has been just a, a total spectacle a spectacle in college basketball. The Big Twelve round robin with ten teams gone after this year with uh, UCF, Houston. Uh, BYU and Cincinnati getting added in. So a bit of a swan song for what was just a true um, meat grinder of a a conference slate. But um, no, I I mean, it's, it's been great. Uh, Past two champions come from the big 12 and Baylor and Kansas. So really it's, it's been, it's been pretty excellent, but um, look, let's, let's just kind of get right into it uh, right at the top. And before we start talking about, you know, biggest surprises, best teams, all that sort of stuff. Let's talk about, let's not bury the lead. Let's talk about the team that people came to talk about, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, a team that you said uh, multiple times aren't that bad. A lot of people disagreed with you. But then on Saturday, they go, they go and beat number two Alabama like a drum at home in the Lloyd Noble Center. Uh, everyone shocked, including myself. Was that vindication for you or was it a a bit of a, you know, I don't know, a a drip in the bucket. Is it is it a bit of a, a surprise um, that won't be replicated down the line? Or do you think this is an indication of how good the team is? 
It is a surprise in the sense that, like, I always was saying OU is really not that bad, but when I mean not that bad, I didn't expect them to absolutely thump an Alabama team who, coming into the weekend, I was probably saying was the best in the nation. Sure, they're young and a little inexperienced, but the talent level in the system that they play under Nate Oates is spectacular, and out of a year where there's been kind of like a lot of good teams at the top, maybe six or seven, I thought Alabama was starting to really separate itself just because of how well they've been playing in the SEC play but it makes me happy like I've been saying this entire year OU is not that bad and you kind of see it when you go through they didn't play like a super hard non-con like you have a loss to Villanova which is not great and then a loss to Arkansas who I think is a really solid tournament team but when you're going down your conference play one point loss to Texas three point loss to Iowa State four-point loss to Kansas, like, those are your first three games, and then you have one in there with Baylor when you only lose by two, like, you're talking the cream of the crop programs that OU is getting so close to beating, whether it be home, whether it be away, and so that's why I'm like, the record isn't showing it per se, but this OU team is solid, I think Porter Moser is a great coach, there's a little rumblings, is Porter Moser going hard in the paint right now to get that Notre Dame job now that Mike Bray is leaving? Who knows if he wants to go back up north, but he's done a spectacular job, and I just feel like even though OU's conference record doesn't show it, they are one of the better teams in the nation just because of how they're performing against these top-tier teams. Yeah, I mean, people were calling for his head earlier. Um, uh, that is not really the case anymore after Saturday, but, uh, you know, a couple losses here. We are recording a couple minutes before Bedlam tips off, so... Uh, by the time some of y'all podcast listeners get this, either the sky's falling and we need to fire everybody or the Sooners are back. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, um, no, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like this team just kind of kept, you know, tailing off at the end, could, couldn't finish games and just kind of blew it at the end, which weirdly enough, Ty, feels like the old Brit Venables, uh, football team we saw last, last, uh, last fall. Yeah, maybe. I sure hope not. I do want to say, just looking at the at the schedule, obviously, who knows with that Bedlam game that, like we said, as of recording, is about to tip off in about 15 minutes. But OU has a fairly favorable schedule uh, at some points, but our, our remaining schedule is, is looking pretty rough. I mean, obviously, we are, I believe, third to last in the Big 12 right now, but we're closing things out with a TCU who is a very solid team, K State who is a very solid team, uh, just it, that, towards the end of our schedule. But I, you know, I think there is a high potential for this OU team. Say we win Bedlam tonight, I think West Virginia is a beatable team, and then like we said, Baylor played them once already, two point loss. Hopefully that can be reversed. Maybe it is a road game. We haven't been great on the road, but maybe going into bringing Kansas to Lloyd Noble on February 11th. Hopefully we're looking a little better standings wise, uh, but I, I don't necessarily know if we can definitively say if Bedlam goes our way, I'm not sure if we can say, oh, it's it's turnaround time. We got this because uh, the way you look at it, the way the Big 12 is playing out, you know, we still have to go to Texas. We still have to go to Kansas State uh, and a, a whole lot of rough stuff ahead for us to be sure. Yeah, absolutely. There. <laughs> It is a it is a brutal conference. There is no easy games. There there are no let ups. Uh, you know, other than I guess maybe Texas Tech, who hasn't been that great, but as we saw, can can trip up good teams. But uh, we'll we'll get to the Red Raiders and Cactus Gang in a bit. 
The stage is set, and we're counting down to the battle in Arizona, and there's no better way to get ready for the NFL action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your Super Bowl 57 winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Personally, I absolutely love the app. Me and Jameson used it when we were down in New Orleans. We were having a great time. It was super easy to use. And look, this Super Bowl matchup, I'm having a, I, I'm really excited about. Love Jalen Hurts on the Eagles, him marching his way to glory, but also you got that Kansas City team that just will not quit. I can't wait to watch it for sure. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See the show notes for details. Now back to the schooner pod. Um... But Blake, I want to ask, let's dive into like kind of some of the more macro overall look of the Big 12. Um, who do you think is the biggest surprise this season for you? K-State. It's like K-State did not even close. I know they're picked uh, to be dead last in the media poll, which you can't really trust those. Like we learned with TCU football, those are kind of a crapshoot. But what I do know is Jerome Tang coming into the season only had two to three scholarship guys on their roster. And he basically just hit the transfer portal running and got two great guys. I know they had uh, Marquise Knoll. I believe last year, uh, but got Keontae Johnson from Florida, and they, that duo has been fantastic. They've had some kind of really bad blowout losses when they have lost to Kansas and TCU, but they've really taken care of business. They didn't have, I guess, too, uh, too strong of a non-conference, but... They had that key win at Kansas at home, probably the game of the year so far, a just awesome overtime thriller, court storming, exactly why you watch college basketball, but they've been running through the conference, and they've set themselves up, like even with the loss last night to Kansas, have set themselves up that they have a chance at the title this year. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, they've what K-State has done has been just truly unreal. Um, they... they they, they have stepped it up to a different level. They've been very solid, especially at home in the Octagon of Doom. Uh, but you know, as we saw last night, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if they can, you know, when they get down to it, when they get down yeah. to the big boys in those tough moments, it, when they're not at home, if they're going to be able to hold up. But we'll see. Um, I got, I, I got to say though, Blake, and and, and I might, I, I might be, you know, lighting the fuse a little bit here. But uh, what are your thoughts on Kansas versus K-State, a top 10 matchup being on ESPN Plus? It's just like typical ESPN type stuff, trying to bury the lead, trying to bury our conference. Like they really want to promote the ACC and SEC so much that they will put the best conference of basketball right now on their streaming platform, whether it be for money, whether it be to bury us, I think it's a little bit of both, but it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like, we saw that game be so good at Kansas State, and even though it wasn't yesterday, it like it's just a fantastic matchup, one that you can't just have. Like, put it on ESPNU, put it on, put it on any of those channels. I think TCU yesterday was on ESPNU, and we were just playing West Virginia at home. You can't be burying these games like it, and, but... It does make me a little bit happy 
I know I sing the praises of Jerome Tang. This man is a sore loser. Every single press conference I see when he loses. Yesterday he was going off about the refs and how Kansas fans are so good and so loud that they like basically like peer pressure the refs into giving them good calls, which is like eh. And then the other one was when he lost at Iowa State, he went on and said, the Iowa State fans just know basketball better. They're so much better and louder than TCU. And whenever he played TCU, we were on winter break. There was no students there. There was absolutely nobody at the game because nobody else in any of the other conference games besides maybe Kansas were actually at those games. And yet he still tries to make these differences, still tries to like like that fuse. It's going to backfire him in the uh, end. But the one thing I will say is K-State has been a surprise. Yeah, I I almost I almost uh, zoned out for a second and thought we were talking about football again with uh, K State. I guess we need to pause and, and give them their props because uh, it almost feels like, at least from my perspective, that K State has just been performing exceedingly well in at least the big two sports. Depending on not not to diminish other sports, but those generally are the big two in terms of media and, and uh, national awareness and money. And uh, it almost seems like they're not getting any respect for being as good as they are, especially with, like Blake said, uh, not a team that necessarily was respected too big in the preseason, even down to just the players they had. It, it's almost like that you could cut that bit and say it was a football bit and it would fit perfectly. You know, Blake, not to salt the wound with K-State uh, winning the conference in football, but. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, I I, I kind of salted that wound a little bit in our uh, schedule talk yesterday uh, when I almost called TCU uh, Big Twelve champions, which they are not. Um, we do we do need to give Blake a segment, I guess, at the end of this pod to to do a quick spill on the twenty twenty three football uh, Big Twelve schedule because I'm sure he has some some thoughts. Oh yeah, we we definitely need to let him go on that one for sure. I'm sure he has some takes for sure. But um, look. Also, I want to say, uh, Blake, in the inverse, uh, you know, surprise can be good. Surprise can also be bad. Who is who to you is like the biggest surprise of like, how is this team bad? Uh, who are the hot seat type of teams, coaches? Uh, let's let's just thinking about a couple of them. Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Uh, which one of those to you is like, uh, why are they why are they bad? Which one su- surprises you the most? And which one uh, do you which which coach of those three do you think is like, uh, fi- you know, hot seat pretty bad? Yeah, so I guess like when it comes to team, I think Texas Tech takes the cake. Uh, that like Mark Adams, I thought was a fantastic coach last year. One that I was raving to the point where I was like, I'm kind of glad they got rid of Chris Beard. Maybe they really had their guy. I bought into the Cactus Gang talk when they were like, Mark Adams was the real architect of the Chris Beard programs. It wasn't Chris Beard. And boy, was I wrong. Because uh, I know Mark Adams, they've had some really, really bad injury luck uh, in Lubbock. But once it got to conference play, they have not been to, they have not been able to get a win to save their lives till Iowa State last week. And it took kind of like a a colossal collapse by the hot uh by iowa state to even like get to that point it was an ot game one that iowa state should have won yeah mark adams is just i don't know like and he's kind of what i found out like i was joking with one of my ut friends i was like whenever chris beard got fired i was like hey just 
steal the next tech coach, like bring in Mark Adams. But supposedly Mark Adams had a twin brother uh, who passed away and then is now like dating his, I guess his brother's widow. And so kind of a scummy dude. Uh, that is, that is something that is going on. Like, Mark Adams is, like, kind of, like, just as scummy, because whenever I mention that, they're like, dude, like, Mark Adams not the best guy, like, and he isn't, so maybe this is a little karma coming to Cactus Gang. They were talking the talk and probably had the best home court advantage last year, but, yeah, it's hitting hard in Lubbock right now. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the stands. It's uh, not great. They're not they're not a lot of white people swag surfing in Lubbock right now. That's 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 for sure. Wow, that is an elite scumbag move for sure. I had no idea about that. God, it is probably message board fodder, but oh, you got to run uh, with something like that. Oh yeah, some weird happened. That wasn't that wasn't me. Some weird happened with Streamyard there, but yeah, you gotta you gotta run with that and something like that. Um, I gotta ask also Oklahoma State. Oh, he's opponent tonight. Um, not the greatest season. You know, things have kind of um, I don't know waned under Mike Boynton without uh, uh, Cade Cunningham. What are your thoughts? You kind of think he might be a little hot seatish. I think a little bit. Like, you have to start having the conversation. Like, OSU is top 10 in a lot of the advanced analytics when it comes to defense. Like, fantastically coached defense team. But they're out of the top 100 when it comes to offense, which is, like, really, like, a good defense gets you very, very far. But you need to score some points. And I just feel like Boynton hasn't been able to recruit that guy since Cade Cunningham to come in to OSU and score some points for them. And it's just wild because I just remember growing up, I felt like... Like, maybe in the early 2000s, it was like OSU basketball was the way more significant, way more, like, impactful program compared to OU. And now it just feels like it's kind of flipping a little bit with, I know they had Cade Cunningham, but OU having their stars. And I just feel like they haven't been able to find a consistent coach that can make them a winner. Like, I know they kind of found it under Brad Underwood, but they drove him out of town. So, I, yes, like... But I don't know who they go to. Like, I think Boynton's a great guy and a great coach. But, yeah, you got to start having those conversations because I just feel like historically they are not up to par right now. Yeah, they've run out of sudden kids. I got to say, again, like, that's that's almost a segment. Cut out a few bits of that. But that's almost a segment that if you zoned out, you could imagine that we're talking about football again. Oklahoma State, as a coach, you're not sure if he can recruit. You're not sure if he's that guy but he's not going to get fired probably ever. And, and you're just going to continue coasting with mediocrity as you just sort of fade into oblivion, I guess. And so once again, just not to, not to uh, talk crap on Oklahoma state as we approach five minutes to tip. Now I do want to point out, I just noticed also, if you are listening, you can't see this, but I'm drinking from a hideaway cup right now. Uh, and as this is bedlam, I do want to mention that, hideaway i'm not supporting oklahoma state by drinking from a hideaway cup in fact norman now has two hideaway locations not to give free ads but stillwater only has one so mathematically speaking hideaway pizza is in fact a norman business so uh (laughs) unfortunate for oklahoma state that the one thing that they had uh we have now taken from them they lost their hideaway crown i mean that is that is true just I, we're just talking numbers here, folks. Yeah, right? and if you want to say, "Oh, Hideaway stole Stillwater thing," it was founded there. That's just undemocratic because we have two votes and they only have one. 
I also have a hot take. I don't think the Stillwater Hideaway is as good as the other ones. I don't think it. I don't think it hits the same because it's technically a different company. It uh, they they don't have like that nice little thick crust you can get at uh, all the other ones. You only have this like weird kind of that little thin crust they do. That's the only that's the only crust you get. Mm -hmm. I, I, see. I like the options. Yeah. Uh, someone in 1982 in the chat is asking for those unaware again, no free ads, but, uh, up on Robinson across from target, uh, the location used to be an Italian restaurant, went out of business and hideaways purchased it. So it's up there next to five guys and across the street from, from target off of Robinson in Norman is the new, no free ads, but hideaway location. <laughs> Kind of by where they want the new basketball stadium to be, uh, when if that ever happens. But um, yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. And, and not only that, look, you know what they don't have at the Stillwater Hideaway? The Boz, which might be the best hideaway pizza possible. Am I right, Blake? Retweet, retweet. The Boz is goaded. It's my favorite. It's probably one of my favorite pizzas out there. Like I love it. It's the one thing I always like. That and Johnny's. Every time I'm back in Oklahoma City, I'm getting one of those. We're, we're giving so, so many free ads, but honestly, those I, places slap, and I'm very okay to give them to them. I'm trying to think of uh, – I said something else one time on the pod, and Blake was the only one that agreed with me. And the, the Johnny's thing, unprovoked too, Johnny's always get – Johnny's gets free ads. They're being good. Blake and I yeah. – weirdly, Blake and I are never aligned on any sort of sports fandom. But food-wise, we are in step all the way. So I was this really close funny. to doxing myself talking about where how, how close I live to a specific Johnny's. But I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, yes, because you are the no only – you are the only person that lives in close proximity to the Britain Road Johnny's. Allegedly. Allegedly the Britain Road <laughs> Johnny's. But no, it's uh, – <laughs> I love that place so much. Anyways, let's let's talk about ball a little bit more. Uh, man, that, that's a fun that was a fun conversation. Um, okay, so we've talked about the surprises, the disappointments, but let's talk about let's talk about some of the blue bloods here. So the Jayhawks, fresh off of their national championship, you know, Blake, I, I gotta ask, they're not quite the same. You know, they have Grady Dick, who's who's pretty solid, but do you think they can? Uh, do you think they can repeat, or do they just not have that dog in them? I they can repeat like I have a little bit of an affinity for Kansas this year just because like I love Grady Dick like he in most years I would hate this guy but like he is just so fun to watch like he's like a I wouldn't say like a three and D guy he's like an elite three point shooter but he has so much more to his game. But I was thinking Kansas was going to run away with this conference, honestly. Just like, we have our best conference in years, and of course Kansas just runs away with it. But the three-game losing streak really helps us. Loss at K-State, loss at T... Or, or loss at K-State, loss at home to TCU. My favorite win of all time when it comes to TCU basketball. And then a close loss to Baylor away. They've kind of made things close, and like the one thing I have to worry about, Bobby, when it comes to Kansas in tournament time, they are not very deep. It's like when you watch these games, it's it's a Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick show, and they're just trying to run it, and then maybe they might insert a little Dewan Harris here and there, but they have nobody to go to the bench. Like I know the other day, whenever they were playing Kentucky, they their two centers like got into foul trouble. They had to go to the bench, and like the third string guy was all right, it was serviceable, but like. 
there's big worries about depth on that squad, which is something you don't think about Kansas being stocked with talent, but they have a very good starting lineup in like two guys and Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick that you're going to watch come March because if they're hot, like Kansas just rolls teams because they don't miss like whenever they're hot, they just don't miss. It's like, it's so fun to watch, but it's just like, we see they could go really cold and rattle off those three, the three loss streak like they just did. Oh, Bobby, you're on mute. <laughs> I, bad. That was bad. That was bad. Um, I feel like that was what made the difference for Kansas last year was their depth. They had this maturity from, you know, the COVID years and everything. And um, I think that, that that made them pretty well-rounded, where in previous years we've seen Bill Self's uh, KU teams kind of fall apart because they don't have that depth. They don't have that maturity. So I think that is definitely a bit of a warning sign if you're a Jayhawk fan. But, yeah, um, and Jalen Wilson was a role player last year. Like, I know he was a really, really good role player, but, like, Ochai Abaji was, like, the guy last year. Like, Jalen Wilson's a junior. Like, I know people are kind of hearing about him for the first time just because he's taken over and is probably going to be the Big 12 player of the year. But, like, this team lost, like, all their good, like, David McCormick, Rivy Martin, like, those guys, Christian Braun, as or I guess you get Grady Dick the upgraded, but, like, you lost a lot of guys from that very veteran team, and you're dealing with kind of, like, a lesser squad. Granted, they could be really good, but, yeah, like you said, there's just no depth there like they had last year. Right, right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's the thing is, is it's a depth. It's a depth It's just not not there um but uh look i want to say you know again we're recording this live it is looking like the lloyd noble center is packed tonight like packed packed i've i cannot remember the last time i've seen it this nuts um obviously uh it is get in free uh so everyone's taking advantage it looks like a classic uh early 2000s bedlam and i bet that's going to be a uh, great atmosphere. I was going to kick it to Ty, but I switched tabs and he's gone now. Uh, but um, Blake, well, while, while Ty's gone, let's talk about your frogs a little bit. So um, rough start to the season. As we all remember, you know, Arkansas Pl uh, Pine Bluff looked a little shaky. And then Northwestern State came, but the frogs are back on track, I feel like. And sitting at 15th in the AP poll. Do you think they can make an impact? Oh, Ty, you got it. Oh, you got it. Real quick, I had to, I had to go look out the window. Uh, for a weather report, as we had requested by 1982 uh, in the chat, it is. it appears to be actively snowing, at least uh, down here by campus. So hopefully that doesn't stick. Uh, I've not seen the crowd at Lloyd Noble, obviously, as I'm on here. But uh, inclement weather, uh, to be sure, down here I, in, in Norman. I can report from uh, northern Oklahoma City, no snow. So there you go. Weather. Weather talk. Love it. I'm not going to ask Blake how, how the weather is in Dallas. So we'll, we'll, let's get to your frogs, though. So rough start, but they've kind of brought it together. Do you think, uh, as we referred, I, I, I keep for, as, as we refer to him, Jim Dixon, JB Dixon, we, for some reason, we call him Jim Dixon all the time. I don't really know why, but um, Jim Dixon squad, do you think that they're good enough to make a run, you know, maybe a sweet 16 run? Um, they got their first tournament win in forever last year. Do you think they're that good? Do you think they can make some damn progress in the tournament? I think this is this is a bad place for me to be in, but I'm setting expectations for TCU basketball, and I'm going to be very upset if we don't make it to the Sweet 16 because I think this team should be not like, I guess you can't say lock, but like 
you should be disappointed if they don't make a sweet 16 and don't be surprised if you see them go a little bit further they are kind of i would say the dark horse of the big 12 this year and like if i'm gonna rank the like one through ten best big 12 teams like i'm probably putting tcu at three just because when that squad is clicking it really goes and like the fun thing about tcu is they score so much in transition you have a like elite guy that's gonna play at the pro level and mike miles who Great passer, excellent shooter, gets to the rim. You got Eddie Lampkin, the juice guy. Uh, you got good, like, really deep. Like, that's been, like, the nice thing about this TCU team is, like, we finally got some, like, depth at the bench. Like, Emmanuel Miller, Damian Bodge, Jacoby Coles, uh, Shahada Wells, who's been kind of filling in for the Miles role while he's injured right now. Uh, and so the sky's the limit for this team. Like they're excellent on defense. They're top ten or top fifteen in the nation on defense, and that's something that travels in March. And like I would call us like very similar if you watch college uh, basketball as a whole, as a Houston light, where we have that like very similar. We love to score in transition. We love to play lockdown D, good rebounding team, and you've seen it for Houston. Like Houston has been to a Final Four, got deep in the tournament multiple times, and I think it's solely because of like. Like, they play a good brand of basketball that travels well. Like, you don't have to shoot the best, but you can still keep teams close. And I think that's what's so dangerous about the Frogs come March is our offense is good enough that if, like, Miles gets hot and you play our game of transition, like, you're done. But our defense will really travel. We rebound the crap out of the ball. So, although we've had some concerning losses, like, I think it's just, like, if this team is healthy, which has not been the case all year long, but if this team is healthy, they're going to be a dangerous dark horse come March. Yeah, they had that really tough Mississippi State loss yeah. uh, on Saturday, but that was, like, as you mentioned, a bit of an injured uh, injury yeah. thing. Uh, we, we have to have Mike Miles. Like, other players, like uh, Eddie Lampkin's kind of been out, and we've been able to rattle off good wins. Like, we were able to win at Kansas, even though he got injured thumped Oklahoma like we could still win without some of those role players we need Mike Miles like we are not going to go far like come March if Mike Miles's knee is still an issue we aren't going far just because we do rely on him for uh much of our offense but if he's there dangerous squad TC is going to be a dangerous squad come March yeah absolutely hey Ty, Ty I want to ask you this what do you think this man does for a living? I mean, obviously he's TCU's basketball coach but if you had to guess what would you what would you what do you think he would do well, um, so I, I have I have two uh, reactions. I feel uncomfortable saying both, honestly. Uh, one in no particular order. One is a, a and this will be funny, I guess, to you, Bobby. I, I'm sure people can fill in the blanks as well. But uh, one is is a like some sort of mega church pastor. The stadium seats behind, uh, particularly. Uh, hammer that home as well but uh i could also say he he perhaps is maybe the top used car or car salesman in a particular area and he just <laughs> landed someone like a 30 percent interest on like a, a corvette or something and he's celebrating so uh i don't but i i don't know i, I love purple so i don't know but the um obviously a basketball coach and I, I know you're you're fishing for something maybe a bit more interesting but uh mega church was good so, mega church was mega good church. although the he has like a g-shock watch on uh, which is kind of interesting because that doesn't really fit the vibe uh with with anything so maybe i i would suppose i guess my final answer 
uh, after factoring in everything, the outfit, the watch, and, and everything else behind, uh, he is a guy who founded a company that was not at all successful, but he just had the right timing to sell it off before it went bankrupt uh, to Facebook or Meta or Amazon or whatever else. And now he travels around giving speeches at conferences and he's getting people hyped up about upselling or something like that at a business conference in a, uh, a, a conference room at a stadium. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah, he, do, he does look like he could sell a mean Lexus right there. Uh, for I, I just realized that's horrible podcasting. It's a picture of Jamie Dixon. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of funny. I I think he's I think he's done done pretty decently well. I, I know, Blake, you're not a huge fan of him at times. I don't know if that's changing, though. It's a bit of a he's, renaissance. His in-game planning at times is like absolutely atrocious um and like it does worry me that it's like he's kind of had this like i have a squad one year and then it all dissolves and we kind of go back into like another two three year rebuilding period which is like fine like uh, in the grand scheme of things like tcu basketball has been absolutely nothing like i think before our like before we made the tournament like while i was in college it was probably the 80s or 90s since we had made even just a tournament game in our tournament win was the first one in probably like 30 years as well so it's like many tcu fans are like you shouldn't have that high of expectations but like baylor also exists and they're like a direct rival they've won a national championship like i have higher expectations for us that like if we invest the money invest in good coaching we can be not like maybe like as good as baylor but like consistently good year in and year out that we're like a tournament team every year right for sure for sure um Let's kind of round this out by talking about um, the other two teams in Texas. Obviously, you have the Longhorns ranked 10th. They've had, honestly, all things considered, an excellent record given what happened with Chris Beard, uh, his firing and everything. Um, Do you think they're going to continue on to have a successful season, or do you think the the floor is going to bottom out at some point? I always worry about Texas because of kind of what you said. It's like Chris Beard was a great coach, and then they moved to a guy, Rodney Terry, I believe he coached at UTEP last, and I think he's a solid coach, but I don't think he's anything spectacular. But the one thing that always gets me up about Texas is they just have – they're a very senior squad, and they have a lot of talent, and that's something that, like, even through bad coaching is going to get them wins, like Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, who's a sophomore, like, transfer from Iowa State, which is, like, a very controversial thing, but Timmy Allen, Jabari Rice, like, all these guys are, uh, besides Tyrese Hunter, are seniors, so they have a very good experienced squad, which I think bodes well for them, and you see them, like, they're at the top of the Big 12 standings right now, and really their only losses in conference are against really good teams, and, like, I don't blame them, uh, so I do worry when it comes to tournament time just because of, like, the perception of Texas, and I feel like always falling short in the tur- uh, tournament, like, what is a guy like Rodney Terry gonna do? But, like, if Rodney Terry's going to put on a run, this is the Texas squad to do it just because they have so, so much senior talent on that team that it's just, like, it feels like this team can kind of coach itself a little bit. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, Ty, any thoughts on Texas? No, I was going to say the only the only thought I have on Texas basketball is I was looking for an update on that assistant coach's girlfriend's 
monkey that allegedly assaulted a child a Halloween a couple years ago, but that was a football assistant coach. Uh, for some Correct. reason, I had it in my mind that it was a basketball assistant coach. So stay tuned, I guess, next time we talk football for an update yeah. on that. But Pole assassin. Yeah, pole assassin uh, married to an, uh, a Texas football assistant. Still there. Coach is still there, as is pole assassin. So uh, not sure about the monkey, though, sadly. I'm not sure about how the monkey's doing. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. It, it, it seems, I guess we'll spill the beans right now. But from Googling around, it seems like the the lawsuit is either ongoing which is probable i suppose with the timeline and and the fact you know covid and everything else slowing down and then the fact that it's uh, and i'm i'm not the one to be speaking to this but it's a it's like a civil suit uh, so who knows that can that can take a while but uh, i guess probable also that it may have been settled out of the the court systems and that's why we don't have an update so who knows yeah, no, I mean, you know, maybe that is a matter that would be ha- handled by like primate law. I don't I don't really know, Blake, uh, what the legal proceedings are whenever it involves, you know, a small ape, small, you know, little little chimpanzee or whatever it was. I, I, I don't know. You did a whole know. segment on this a couple years podcast, ago, or in fact, a year ago, maybe about uh, it may fall under bird law because monkeys are in trees. Uh, there may have been some sort of standard ground law that applied uh, for the monkey. Uh, all sorts of, all sorts of. Th- you know how much, how much DNA, how much DNA commonality do you need with a human? For example, uh, I'm not sure what type of it was a capuchin monkey, uh, as we all know. But uh, how much DNA commonality do you need with a human before, uh, within the state of Texas, you would qualify for say, uh, falling under standard ground laws or? Or or something like that. So, who knows? Who knows? I guess. <laughs> That's fair. It's, it's funny. Yeah, Blake, do you have any thoughts? Are you allowed to have any thoughts? On this? <laughs> I'll just let you run with this one. I think like we covered it a few years ago. I like your argument. It's an argument that I will say that it is a it is a it theory. Is an <laughs> it is an argument. It is a theory. One there, of the arguments of all time. It isn't. It, it it exists as an argument. Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? You know, that's for the courts to decide. Uh, mm-hmm. But I yeah. personally, if I if I were the monkey's attorney, I would say, capuchin monkeys, <laughs> they they're not native to Texas. Why would a capuchin live in Austin? It does not make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, therefore you must acquit. So that I mean, I I see no flaws in in that logic. The <laughs> the Cochrane defense. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> uh, okay, so Blake, quick question. We're, we're uh, This OU game is going on, so I know our live listeners want to get to that, uh, and I'm sure a couple of us do. Of these two teams, which team do you think can get hot and make a like a really, really solid NCAA run? Because I feel like they're relatively similar in some, in some senses. Uh, Iowa State or Baylor? Oh, this is really hard. That was actually a great question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Baylor. I'm gonna go Baylor. Um, it, it's kind of the two teams. I guess like they're on different sides of the coin. It's like oh, Iowa State is kind of a team that doesn't have a true scorer. Like it's a lot of guys that are contributing every single night and getting off wins, but they're excellent excellent on the defensive end and like that's why they're rattling off wins being pretty consistent i know they're hitting a little bit of a dry spell right now losing the last three or four but 
excellent defensive team, but when you come to Baylor, like, the thing about Baylor is, defensively, like, Scott Drew usually coaches his teams incredible. Like, usually they're better in the defensive metrics. I think even their national championship run team is, like, better in the defensive metrics than offensive metrics, but this team, for some reason, like, they fall out of the top 50 when it comes to defense, but they're, like, top three when it comes to offense, and... I just, I don't know. I just, like, obsess over Keontae George. I think he's such a fun player to watch. He's, like, paired perfectly with LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler, who are kind of these uh, two, I think they're both, uh, uh, one might be a junior, one's a senior, but paired to these two veteran guys. So they have, like, three elite scores on the floor. And I just feel like sometimes it doesn't click. Like, I went to the game uh, this past weekend at Arkansas, and it just feels like Baylor settles for a lot of threes. Like, granted, they can get open threes, but like that and then like the Texas game I was watching the other night like they weren't hitting crap and they just kind of still settle for that but it's just like I I love that team Kambarch just because they have so much offensive flexibility and different ways that they can score and different players that like on a normal Baylor team like those three guys could be a star and yet they're all kind of like they're meshing well together. No faults to Iowa State. Like, Iowa State's probably going to go really far just because of things like I talked about with TCU. And, like, a good defensive identity will bode well in March. That's something that's going to travel. Uh, just because if you rely solely on offense, like, it takes one bad game and you're bounced from the tournament. And, yeah. But I just the, – that that core, those, those three guards together is just – it's so fantastic. It's like – it's very similar, I would say, to the Baylor National Championship team, but, like, the light version whenever we saw, uh, whenever we saw, like, those three guards together. That was just, like, magic to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that experience, you know, with a Drew coach team, that that is hard to beat, uh, especially come tournament time. That is, that is really, really hard to beat. Um, but, um, hey, look, before we get on with this, because um, I think that's kind of the end of the basketball talk, we don't need to talk about West Virginia. We don't need to talk about West Virginia at all. I don't think there's anything interesting about nope. them this season. They are, they are, they are the every West Virginia team you've ever seen without like kind of a star player, and they just press. Like they're gonna get some good home wins just because they have a good home atmosphere. But there's nothing special about that team. And they're like they might make the tournament, but like there's nothing special about that team. Yeah, that's that's weird. Someone, someone's just reporting that. Someone's reporting a no sound. If you're experiencing di difficulties, we're sorry. But also, there's no way you could tell that we're apologizing if there's no sound. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. Ty, what were you going to say? I was going to say for those listening, once again, Blake's spill about West Virginia, if you zoned out, sounds like a football take as well. So never really do anything special, but maybe they might beat someone at home because they have a, a tougher home environment than average. That's what they kind of, like, they've been relegated to, and, like, and I know we're about to get to a little schedule talk and teams rising up to conferences to, like, a big Power 5 conference, like, be a fair warning to all, like, schools that want to join a Power 5 conference, you kind of could end up like West Virginia, you get a nice check, but you become very average very quick. And, like, that's kind of a hard existence to be in, and that's just something that happens whenever you join the big boys, so... Be warned. Be vo be warned. The new four. That's that's fair, and I think there are there are teams in the new four that uh, are not going to do very well in in the Big Twelve. I, I really Cincy, I, Cincinnati, Cincy will be Cincinnati. fine. Cincy, 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 Cincy's not a blue blood, but they're like they are a very good college basketball. Oh, this uh, is a like great. School, I feel like 
This is a great go for an hour off season pod where we argue, where I argue with the three of you why UCF is better than anyone else joining the new Big 12 and why they'll do better in the long run. So maybe we'll save that one. All right, y'all. That is the end of our college basketball pod. Uh, on our original live stream on YouTube, this devolved into sort of a Big 12 uh, football schedule conversation. And you can actually find that right here on your podcast feed. It is uh, listed as a bonus episode. So give that a listen if you're inter- if you're interested in it. If not, then uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this one and we'll see you next time. Boomer Sooner.